We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. Welcome back. It's the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, joined as always by my co-host Nick Pilato. And today we're here to do a little bit of a new segment we're going to be doing for the next few weeks, four weeks before the draft, whatever it is. We'll probably do one of these a week. It's going to be mocking the mock drafts. And we're going to be taking a look at all different kinds of mock drafts around the media landscape and where they have the Giants picking. And then we'll break down their picks. We'll talk about some players they could have taken over them. We're still on the board in those mocks and just where we think, what we think about those mocks. We're also going to start this podcast off a little bit of a discussion on an interesting stat that was shared by uh, somebody on Giants Twitter, uh, Giants fan in Charlotte, he shared a very interesting stat on the center position I want to talk about with Nick to kick things off before we get into mocking the mocks. And we've promised in the past that we are going to mock your mocks too. So if you do drop a full mock draft to us or any kind of mock draft, you can do two rounds, you can do one round, you can do three rounds, you can do all, all seven rounds if you if you really like that. And if you do have a mock draft that you want to get talked about or discussed by us, Drop it in the iTunes. You can head over to our iTunes, leave a five-star rating, and in your review, just post anything you want, but make sure you post the mock draft. So if we see a five-star rating and a mock draft, we will review that mock draft. We have one in today. Actually, Dan, we have two mock drafts because Jack Maxwell also left me or left us a how freaking selfish of me to say me when it's us left us a review on iTunes. So we'll also be going over his mock draft as well. Can't wait to get into that, but let's start with the center discussion. Yeah. So it was an interesting stat I saw today on Twitter, actually, whenever we're recording this um, from Giants fan in Charlotte. And he said, the and it's a statistic of, he looked at all, remember we've always talked about, and I mentioned this before, I'll mention it again. Center is one of the only onesie positions you can draft. It's one of the only positions. Now, some of these guys can play into all the interior and offensive line spots, but some of these guys are only true centers. They're thinking about drafting. John Michael Schmitz, maybe he can play guard, but he's mostly only played center. Like, And the list goes on for some of the guys that we're considering for a center for the Giants. So because it's a onesie position, only 32 start in the NFL. So something I thought was interesting, um, Giant fan in Charlotte took a look at those 32 starters in the NFL and where they were drafted. And the stats show this, the average draft pick for a starting center in the NFL, Nick is 137 overall, which I thought was wildly much later than people think he says, or early fourth round. He said, Ben Bredesen was pick 143, 17th highest among the projected starters right now. So he's projecting starters as they stand today. Those numbers will change a bit. If after the draft, a lot of teams will have new starting centers or some teams will have new starting centers to say, but here's a breakdown of where the starting centers, of the NFL were taken in the first round. 
picks one through 32. Only four of 32 projected starters in the NFL were selected in the first round. Only six of the 32 projected stars were selected in the second round. So that's 10. That's uh, less than th- fewer than 33% were selected in the first or second round. Two were selected in the third round. Four were selected in the fourth round. Three were selected in the fifth round. Two were selected in the sixth round. Five in the seventh round, which was interesting. It looks like five in the sixth round. I might have this three, four, five, six. Yeah, five, or, there, or he limits, he, he narrows the range there to 161 to 192 to picks 193 to 224 five of the centers none were selected in picks 225 to 256 but then six of the starting protected centers were actually undrafted rookie free agents so not drafted at all what do you make of this breakdown nick because i will say this i haven't looked at every position but this seems awfully late for a start for a position for starting players like i don't i can't imagine you look at too many positions and it's going to be this deep I think a lot of just small school guys and, and people who aren't discussed all that much throughout the draft process get into training camp and they really take to the coaching staff and they develop. And that's a that's great for these small school types of centers. I would like to know where a lot of these guys go in the draft. And again, like you said, this is a onesie position. So unless if you're Tyler Linderbaum, who is an elite wrestler, who has all the movement skills and athletic ability that can kind of resemble a Jason Kelsey, who was drafted late on day three, then and or or Frank Ragnow, who is a big, powerful, mauling type of guy selected in the first round out of Arkansas back in 2018. Like those are two of those first round centers that I'm like, I think those guys are going to be successes. In Ragnow's case, he was a success. Linderbaum, that was a first round pick last year. I feel like from what I've heard, he had a solid rookie season. I liked him coming out of the draft. But you can get guys later on as long as you can develop them and hone in on their skill set. It suggests that the Giants aren't going to force a a a pick at center at 25 doesn't mean joe shane's gonna be like oh wow all the other centers they some of them were selected in the seventh round that means i'm not going to but it does go down to the argument that you've been bringing up for a while dan it's it's not necessarily the most crucial position to find right now even though if you look at the depth chart of the giants and you had to pick out one glaring hole i would say it's more than likely that center position but just from a positional value standpoint I think you can make the argument that there are bigger needs on this roster. Yeah, and I want to make it clear where I stand on this because I saw some YouTube comments that I felt like were not fully understanding my my take on this. So that's okay. Maybe it wasn't clear enough the first time. I'll try to make it clear this time. I have no issue taking a center at 25th pick overall in general, right? If there's a guy I think can be that Frank Ragno type or even the Tyler Linderbaum, if we wanted a type of move center, I, I personally wasn't thrilled last year with the idea of Linderbaum because I thought there was a chance he could get overpowered at the NFL level. So far, that hasn't been the case. Um, but for a specific scheme, a zone type scheme, I would love to have a Linderbaum type player. Like if you're running a certain scheme and you can find those types of players or Frank Ragno who could fit any scheme but is really good in power gap, like that, I'm totally fine taking a center like that at 25. My whole point with not wanting a center this year at 25 is because I don't think any of these centers are worth that pick. And then and everyone's like, oh, you need a center because next year you're going to be so mad when Daniel Jones is on his back and he's getting pressure. Agreed, man. I agree we need a center. And Nick just said it best. It is probably the most glaring, obvious need. And I've been saying for a while, I think you should build through the trenches. I've been saying for a while it's important to build inside out, meaning the offensive line over the skill positions. And I've been saying for a while that center, to me, I believe is one of the most underrated positions in the NFL if and only if you find a true impact player. If you're finding an average starter or even somebody who can play for 10 years at a pretty decent level, 
at center. To me, that doesn't make much of an impact. Ben Jones is a good example. I've seen some people comp uh, Ben Jones to uh, John Michael Schmitz to Ben Jones and saying, like, this is the type of guy you want to draft, like, in the mocks that they're picking. In some of the mocks I've seen, and we'll go over a couple today, where somebody mocks John Michael Schmitz to the Giants. They're like, yeah, you can get the next. He kind of reminds me of Ben Jones. Well, Ben Jones is already on the, is on the free agent market right now. Right. And Ben Jones was never that much of an impact player at the center position at the NFL level. He was good. He was solid for a little while for a short term. He was like even considered in that pretty damn good range, not elite range. But that to me is not worth the 25th pick overall when you can get a skill position or a tackle. If you needed an offensive tackle, all the money positions, the key positions that make money and where multiple players start at each position throughout the year. Those are the positions you want to invest in overall, unless you can find one of those guys. So that's kind of my take on that. I thought, Nick, it was really interesting just to see how late. The, the, the starters of this position were taken in the draft. I mean, six UDFAs, five players selected, 193 to 224. That's crazy to me. 11 of the 32 starters, a third of the starters were selected with the 193rd pick or later. It also comes down to just the value of John Michael Schmitz, who I really like, and some of these centers who are well, at least draft pundits believe might be available early on day three. Like the Michigan center, I'm not going to attempt to say his name. He is... First initials O, last initials O. I wish he wore number seven so he could be 007, but he did not in college. He's somebody that I haven't grinded through his tape, but I've heard really good things about. There's plenty of centers like John Gaines, who was an interior offensive lineman, started at guard last last season at a UCLA, a very talented player. Luke Whipler, a little bit later, we've talked a decent amount about him on a podcast. I might actually be coming out a little bit after this, but that's neither here nor there. So there are other centers in this draft class that the step down between John Michael Schmitz and that player, it might not be that grave. Whereas the step down between a Cam Smith out of South Carolina or a Deontay Banks out of Maryland and the cornerbacks are going to be around at that time. Those are huge steps downs at bigger positions of value. And I think that's why Dan and I are a little dubious at selecting a center at 25. It's really just because what's the the glaring gap here? Because I don't believe John Michael Schmitz is really Frank Ragnow per se. I don't I don't think he's quite that. I just think he is a solid foundational center who's going to be a good starter in the league for a little bit. But what's his upside relative to a Joe Tipman, which we'll also have a podcast on that coming out shortly. Yeah, and for me, it's about like what's his upside relative to to these to the best centers that come out in every other class or not even every other because. There's not a lot of them. You don't need it to be every other, but some of the classes, right? Like if you can find a really good center class and there's a Frank Ragno type, go ahead, trade up, do whatever you got to do to get this guy. If you really want this guy, but I don't know in this kind of draft class where I don't really see it, even like a, a for example, like Str I had a really interesting interaction in my, in my replies today, Nick with uh Stromberg, the center at Arkansas. I know a lot of people really like, and yeah. Brandon Thorne, who we both you and I really respect for offensive line play. This dude just grinding offensive line film all day, every day. It's his job was talking up Stromberg. And he was like, really, he's like, yeah, this is one of my guys. And I think it started with Jordan Reed saying this is one of my guys. I plant my flag for, I was like, I got to take a look more into Stromberg. Like these two guys saying, and then in the replies, someone was like, yeah, this is the best kept secret. I, I'm praying the giants get Stromberg at 57 with their second round pick. And then Thorne, who was like talking about how much he likes him. was like, ah, I think he actually would be a better value later. Like even Thorne is saying things like, nah, Stromberg's good. And I like him a lot. He's one of my guys I'm planting my flag for. But I think the value there is in round three, not even at 57 in round two. So I just thought that was really interesting to see a guy who, you know, loves the player, loves the evaluation, but at the same time, doesn't even think that type of player at that position is really worth the 57th overall pick. And every front office, they, they have all of these prospects tiered off. They know the depth of each of these position groups. Right. So they're going to know like, hey, we might need to value 
player X a little bit more because if we don't get player X, the drop off from player X to player Z is, is it's it's a grave drop off. Whereas, hey, you know, we like player A at the center position, but the drop off between player A and player E, it's not that big of a difference. So Joe Shane is going to have all of that squared away. Every front office does. And that's the juggling act for the front offices yeah. because you know, for the Giants in their position, they have so many needs that that actually does come into play what you're talking about, right? Like where you have to be like, I'm evaluating the board and I'm weighing my risks based on what will be there at that position at another point. Because you hear always, I always hear this around the Eagles, like Harry Roseman always talks about how he wants to be able to field his team tomorrow before the draft, go into the draft with your full team field. And it's like, yeah, that's cool, man. That's great. You're in a good position, Howie, where you've drafted so well and you've done so well managing this roster that you actually are in a position where you don't have to focus on need really at all in your draft. The Eagles simply don't have to draft for need. It's crazy, but they somehow don't have to draft for need. I can't think of one position where they're like dire at at this point, which is in its own right, disgusting and crazy, but the reality for us as Giants fans, but that's not easy to do. The Giants aren't that team. Like most of these teams can't do that. So it's, that's the interesting part to me, the juggling act you just talked about where like you are, everyone says don't draft for need. And that's true. But at the same time, there is some level of need and just more so like um, positional scarcity, right. And opportunity costs that does come into it for these GMs. Well, that's why every NFL draft is unique in its own right, because every NFL draft is going to have different prospects. Every NFL team is going to value that prospect in a different manner. And I think that's one of the reasons why this is such a cool, inexact science. Yeah, and that's what makes it so fun. The draft is by far the coolest inexact science we have in this sport. And by far, to me, the most interesting thing about this sport in general, you have seven rounds to build your roster out with guys that you feel can try to make your team better. So let's take a look now and transition a bit and go over Mocking the Mocks, a new segment we're coming up with. We'll probably do one of these a week going into the draft. This will be the first one where we just try to scour the internet and the media landscape for a bunch of different mocks and then mock them. And we're not going to mock them, actually. Nick and I aren't going to do that, but we're going to talk about them. We're going to discuss them. We're going to see where we thought, uh, where we think about them. So let's start with today's fresh off the press one from Todd McShay. Um, Nick, do you know about that? I had a little Twitter feud with Tom McShay back in the day. Did I ever tell you that? No, no, do. Oh, wow. This is like a classic joke in my Wisconsin group chat that they continue to pepper me with and, and I'll never let, let it go because a little while ago, it was during the 2018 draft. Um, Todd McShay was associated with the agency. I think it was CAA or one of the agencies at the time. And he was pumping up the two quarterbacks who were associated with his, with his agency. And so I just made a little tweet. Um, I thought it was harmless at the time saying it is interesting how Todd McShay is pumping up the two quarterbacks who are part of the agency that he just joined. And that led to some major backlash. McShay went off on that. I think one other guy in the media landscape, who I forget, like went off on that. And I was, it was mostly a joke and in jest, but I can see uh, looking back on it now, how maybe it's something I shouldn't have said because it does in some ways paint McShay in not the greatest light. If he's, um, you know, if he's, if I'm kind of insinuating that he's only ranking him, I didn't even say like, he's only ranking. I just said, this is interesting, isn't it? Like, this is odd, like with the thinking emoji and you know, it led to this whole thing. I'll be honest though, straight up before that, this is partly probably why I made a comment like that towards somebody like him versus other people. I've never been a fan of McShay. I've always think he's kind of fake, fake news type of draft analyst. Like I remember the one year he had like Juwan, who was the, the tackle that the Cardinals took in round three that was like ranked higher and had really good PFF grades. I don't know if he's even ended up working on the NFL. He was from a small. How about the kid from Houston? Houston, Jones. yeah. 
Jones. I remember it was like funny during like, Jones was getting all this buzz from like all the like film grinders who do the draft stuff. And like, it's like Mache had like, it was covering the senior bowl at the time. And it was like, this is Todd McShay's 21st ranked tackle. And he like wasn't even on his board. Like just thought that was interesting to me. Just like, I, I don't know with McShay. I'm not, I'm personally not a huge fan of the way he does his draft content, but neither here nor there. I just, who, who are the quarterbacks though? Do you remember the quarterbacks? The quarterbacks, uh, what, from the what, one was one was Josh Allen, which he was right about. He was definitely right on Josh Allen. What a lot of analysts were wrong on Josh Allen, including myself. Yeah, he was definitely right on Josh Allen. And to this day, I have no regrets with that one. I I don't mind missing on an outlier who had fifty five percent completion rate at Wyoming or whatever it was. I, the guy was missing passes in the flat on film. You're watching him drill yeah. ball. But you know what? It has changed the whole way I evaluate quarterbacks now because now I'm like too heavy on the traits. I was uh, that like shell shocked me. I was like, oh my God, Josh Rosen didn't work out, but Josh Allen worked out. What am I missing with these guys? Oh, you got to look for the guys with traits and coaches can mold the next level. The problem with that is now you have to find the perfect coach with the quarterback, right? Because if Josh Allen doesn't get Brian Dable, is he even Josh Allen right now? Is he? I don't know. I don't know. That's the whole thing. Like you can't guarantee the good coach. You can guarantee the trades, but you can't guarantee the coach. So anyway, it was Josh Allen. And the other one was one of the quarterbacks who didn't work out. It might've been Darnold. It wasn't Rosen. Um, it wasn't Lamar. So I don't, it was one of the other ones who didn't work out. It might've been like one of the second rounders, but one of them was definitely Josh Allen. That's awesome. Yeah. I had no idea that you had a Twitter yeah. feud with, with Todd McShay. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, I'm an idiot sometimes when it comes to Twitter. Just can't help myself, and it's weird. Um, Twitter is a, what a weird place Twitter is, but I've gotten better over the years. Using the mute button has been the, the key to Twitter, I would say. And I told you about that once. I don't know if you're using it. The mute button? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm. I'm now I know what the mute button is. <laughs> I was unaware of it. I was like, wait, I can just mute people and not unfollow them? I'm like, wow, that's that's pretty it's cool. The so there's a lot of annoying people on the timeline. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best, man. You just mute every troll, and they're just talking into the ether then. Um, all right, let's start to break down the mocks. We start with Todd McShay's mock. mock McShay's is interesting. It's fr fresh off the presses. And McShay has the Giants taking Emmanuel Thors, the corner out of Mississippi State. He says, did you expect me to take a receiver? I nearly went with Jordan Addison here. So Jordan Addison was on the board. But he says, but there are other needs, including cornerback and receiver can be just later in this class. Adoree Jackson, Darnay Holmes, Amanio, or Amanio, and Bobby McCain are under contract only through 2023. And the Giants tied the Raiders for the fewest interceptions in the NFL last season with six. That's how many Forbes had on his own at Mississippi State in 22. And he picked off 14 passes over three seasons, including, and this is what I always hear when I hear the Forbes evals, the three picks or the six pick sixes. He had six pick sixes. Forbes is lean at 6'1 and 166 pounds, but he has great size and fantastic instincts and coverage. The Giants blitzed more than any team last season, but didn't have any ball hawks in the secondary to take advantage. Forbes would feast on mistakes forced by that pressure. My initial thought, let, let's get your initial thoughts on this, Nick, and then I'll go into mine. I think he's onto something, and I haven't watched Emmanuel Forbes yet. I just got done watching Cam Smith yesterday, who I really liked. I think I'm going to like Forbes. I don't want to go into that evaluation thinking that, right? So I'm trying to take that out of my mind. But he's really onto something in terms of the, how much the Giants blitz and how the Giants need cornerbacks with ball skills who can come away with these takeaways and can, who can hang in man coverage. So I'm really pumped to actually watch this evaluation. But as you see on the screen right now, this is somebody who is zero percentile. If you're watching on YouTube, he is the lowest in terms of his weight. Now, the Giants overlooked that with Cordell Fly. We made a big deal about it. Like, Man, they took Cordell Fly. That's a third-round pick. We're talking about at pick 25 right here. I'll tell you one thing, though, because I, I started watching a little bit of Emmanuel Forbes, and I nearly 
done with his evaluation yet, but he had a play against Will Levis in Kentucky where it was a fourth and two, and Kentucky ran a screen. This was one of his six pick sixes. They ran a screen, and the the wide receiver who Forbes was responsible for was the receiver who was going underneath the offensive lineman for the screen, and Forbes read it like that. He anticipated it. He took the angle to where the wide receiver would be catching the football, cut off the throw, intercepted it, took it to the house. That showed a lot of instinct. So as long as this guy has the coverage ability, that at least that I hear, that he possesses, and he's not a complete liability in terms of his physicality, I think I am going to like him, but I'll wait till the end of the week, and then I'll probably report back on that because he's an interesting player for sure. But I don't hate the idea of this from Todd McShay. And Todd McShay, I got to give you credit where credit's due. This was pretty damn good analysis. I like the points you made about how few players are under contract for the Giants at corner, which we've talked about, but is really important. And I like the point you made about how often the Giants blitz how important it is to what they are schematically. They're a blitz first team. And then how much nice it might be to have one of these ball hawk types in the secondary. And I haven't watched any film yet on Forbes, Nick, but I've watched highlights before this uh, podcast. And then one thing I thought was really interesting about watching him was that he has this tendency sometimes on these interceptions to freelance, but it's like smart, nuanced freelancing. Like every time he does it, it's like, yeah, that was the right decision. And, and that was a good decision. And I think that's something that, could be tricky for the next level. Like for coaches, they might not like that in his game or they might be like, this is why he's the type of guy who had six pick six. I mean, look, look the Giants secondary needs playmakers from an interception standpoint. They need guys who have ball skills. And I love ball skills in general when evaluating these corners because it's not something you always see. Corners and safeties, it's not something you always see. It's something I really liked about Antoine Winfield's game two years ago when he came out and I really wanted the Giants to get him. I'm happy they got McKinney anyway, another player who was who was great. But McKin Winfield, was that was something that stood out to me from his tape at Minnesota. And so I like the idea of getting a ball skills guy, Nick. I like the idea of somebody, obviously he has the speed, you showed it there. You can see it right there on the screen. 92nd percentile, 10-yard uh, split here. 97th percentile, 40-yard dash. That's, those are unbelievable numbers. He's an explosive athlete. He's fast. I am very worried, Nick, though, about the frame. Six foot one, 166. Like you said, zero percentile. That scares me a bit, and I don't know if there is any physicality to his game. I haven't watched enough of his film. I've just seen highlights, like I said. But would the Giants be interested in that type of player? Last year's draft, like you said, with Cordell Flott, suggests that they might be. They might be the type of team that throws out these thressholds, these height-weight type thresholds. And so if that's the case, he could be definitely someone on the radar. And I'm with you. I wouldn't wouldn't hate this kind of pick because if they make this pick, it's obviously someone Wink Martindale specifically wants for a system, right? Like, I can trust Wink Martindale in this spot. Um, and so, yeah, it's someone who's interesting. Do you think he has – I mean, you would probably think if they draft him, they think he has a little bit more room to grow in his frame, with his frame, right? Like, they don't expect him to play at 166 at the NFL level. I would hope not. No, he his, like, lower body is really skinny. It's really thin looking. He's high cut as well. So it's like – no, just like his lower body is just like – it's frail looking. Yeah, like his, his calves are very, very skinny. And that's one thing I look at and I'm like, damn, dude, that's a little bit concerning. But I'll have to watch – all the tape. And then, like I said before, I will report back, but I'll say this, man, he passed on Deontay Banks. Deontay Banks yes. on this mock draft was still on the board. And that's one where I was like, okay, maybe he knows something I don't. So let's get into this tape. Let's get into this Emmanuel Forbes film. Yeah. And let's see if he's better than Deontay Banks. He also passed on Michael Mayer, the tight end at a Notre Dame. Who I like a lot. I like Michael Mayer quite a bit. Like I would be, if the Giants said we want Michael Mayer and we take Michael Mayer at 25, I'd be like, okay, cool. Like to me, I'm excited about that. Like I know they have Waller. I know they have Daniel Bellinger players we like, but 
Michael Mayer is smooth out there, man. And he covers ground and he does things that you, that someone his size shouldn't be doing from a movement skill standpoint and catches everything that's thrown at him and has a huge catch radius. Like a player like Michael Mayer to me would, especially if we're running some of that same stuff where we're under center and we're running the boot action stuff with those tight ends leaking out. Like he, to me, seems like a guy who could be a weapon. And I feel like he has a frame that he's not going to be like an amazing blocker at the next level. It's not George Kittle or anything, but I think he has the frame to be a pretty solid blocker too. So they passed on him, Michael Mayer. I know we haven't had a chance to discuss him much. I, I would love to do at some point, Nick, some profiles on those tight ends, though, because I love this tight end class. I know the Giants don't really need one, but I still think there could be some opportunities BPA there. He also passed on Jordan Addison, who we just discussed uh, profile on. What are your thoughts on that? That's something that's interesting. But again, we think cornerback is the biggest need here. So if cornerback's the biggest need, and if Emmanuel Forbes checks out in terms of his traits and what he does on the football field, then it's not that big of a surprise. Yep. And a couple of We know the Giants are interested, though. The Giants are interested in Jordan Addison. I mean, they're bringing him in. They're whining and dining him, I think, as well. I'm not sure if they took him out to dinner, but I believe he's coming in for a top 30 visit. So they have a lot of interest in Addison. They're, They're definitely alive and well in the wide receiver market. Jordan Addison is coming in for a top 30 visit. And one thing we plan to do on the Big Blue Banter podcast this week or the next one is break down the top 30 visits for the Giants so far, break down the players who have gotten these top 30 bids. They're not the be-all end-all, but the Giants did draft three players, three of their what they had last year's nine draft picks. What did they draft last year? Seven, eight, nine? I can't remember. I believe it was either nine or 10, but regardless of the fact, also a lot of those top 30 visits last year was a different draft. The Giants had two top 10 picks. So a lot of them was Trayvon Walker, Aiden Hutchinson, Sauce Gardner. They brought in a lot of players who they were going to have to entertain given the different scenarios that were going to happen through the first four picks of the draft. Whereas this year, they're picking 25. So they're going to bring in guys, more guys from those top 30 visits, a wider variety of, of places where these guys will be selected this year, I think. And in that sense, they could be even more interested in just drafting the players this year than they were last year. Because like you said, they had to do their due diligence on all the top guys. So Regardless, there were three players selected from the private third top 30 visits last year, which is a high number, three of 10. And again, it could be even bigger number this year. So we're going to talk about that in another podcast. But in Todd McShay's mock, a couple interesting takeaways. Jalen Hyatt did not go in round one. Cyrus O'Torrance, who uh, or Osiris Torres, who a lot of people think is the best interior offensive lineman in this class, or at least the best non Skaronsky. And if they're going to move him there, people are saying he has to move, even though I think he can play tackle probably. And that's also another player who's not in the first round. Did you were you surprised by either of those two things? No, I'm not surprised okay. if Jalen it falls out of the first round. And Osiris Torrance, I mean, I, I think he's talented enough to go in the first round from everything that I've seen. But if he falls out, I wouldn't be shocked either. Okay. And then in the second round, McShay comes comes back after getting Emmanuel Forms gets another small player. So the Giants take two sub. I don't even know. I think this guy is, I don't have the exact height weight on this guy, but two, definitely two sub 200, maybe two sub 190 type players where they take wide receiver Josh Downs out of North Carolina. And I haven't watched film on Josh Downs yet, Nick, but I have seen a lot of Josh Downs because I bet Drake May every single week for the last nine weeks of the season last year in North Carolina. And I watched a ton of North Carolina last year and I loved Josh Downs just from that standpoint. I don't know if the film checks out and I don't know if he gets on a consistent level and the projection is the most important thing here. And obviously you can see Nick pulled up Josh Downs is uh, mock draftable here. So you can kind of see the numbers. 93rd percentile, 10 yard split stands out. He, you can see that explosiveness in his film and that quickness. Fast player. I feel like in a lot of ways, he's kind of like a Jordan Addison light almost in some ways to me. Um, or at least maybe like a Zay Flowers. All similar mold as, as those types of receivers. What are your thoughts on that pick? 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I have to evaluate Josh Downs still. Everything I've seen, I think I'm going to absolutely love this player, but he's very undersized. He's more of a slot guy. Like you can see here, sub 5'10", about 171 pounds, limited catch radius. Again, similar to Wandale Robinson. I feel like Wandale Robinson might be a little bit more physical. But the thing that's interesting about Josh Downs is this is somebody who last season, this guy commanded the catch point. And I could pull it up here on Pro Football Focus whenever I get a chance, but he had like a ridiculously high contested catch win rate for somebody who is five foot nine, 170 pounds. He was playing like Quentin Johnston should be playing. Right. And he possesses all those short area quickness, understands how to run routes, beautiful micro movements throughout his stem. I really appreciate the little bit of film that I have watched from Josh Downs and the highlights that I have seen. A lot of those being contested catch type of highlights, but I will be writing an evaluation on him shortly as well, because I think he's a really good wide receiver that not a lot of people are discussing right now. That's a really good point too. Cause just thinking back to what I've, what I've seen of him, he was utilized in the red zone. He was effective in the red zone and you're right. He does play much bigger than his size on those contested catch 50, 50 situation. That's just a skill set you can have. Like you don't have to be the biggest guy in the world. The best contested catch receiver I've seen in the last decade in the NFL was Deandre Hopkins. Who's what? Like six foot one. He can't be much taller than six foot one, DeAndre Hopkins. He's smaller than you would think, but um, it doesn't matter. He's like, the height doesn't play a role there. He's just, like you said, amazing at that. Scroll up a little bit on that. I want to see the full spider chart there um, for Josh Downs. So, yeah, you can see from this full spider chart, this is an insanely explosive athlete, which is shown by the vert and broad jumps. The 40 yard dash is probably not what he hoped it would be, but he looks faster on film and he has game speed, in my opinion, especially on those vert routes. Like Nick said, he does a lot, has a lot of good micro. Uh, movements. I've never heard that term before, but I like that one. And then also the 10 yard split shows kind of that acceleration and that quickness. This is a good receiver. And if he's dropping around too, I'd be perfectly happy with the giants taking him. Yeah, Dan, I think I would be okay with that as well, but I will say this, this is another second round, really small <laughs> yes. wide receiver. I think I do prefer. And again, I haven't watched all this tape, but the profile that I believe Josh Downs possesses from what I've seen so far tells me that I'm going to like him more than I liked Wondell Robinson coming out last year. I feel the exact same way about that, Nick. Like the, To a point, the exact same way. Wondell Robinson's not the type of receiver I would probably draft, in my opinion, personally. I understand why they did it, um, but I completely agree with you. Josh Johnson is more of a vertical component to his game, much better contested catch receiver, um, and I still think he can do a lot of the short area stuff that Wondell does anyway. Maybe he's not going to be the guy who motions into the backfield for you, but other than that, I think, and maybe he's not really the biggest, he's not the same as Wondell from that twitchiness in the in open space, but I agree with you. This is definitely a profile I'd rather invest in.
All right. Think of Jackson Smith and Jigba. Mm-hmm. Josh Downs isn't as big. He's maybe not quite as physical, not as precise as a route runner, but he is like a little bit of a poor man's version of what Jackson Smith and Jigba can offer you in the first round. And you can get Josh Downs a little bit later. He's just smaller, but in terms of just how he wins over the middle of the field and how smart he is running routes from what I've seen so far, that's what Josh Downs is going to offer a team, in my opinion, from the film I've seen. And I'm so excited that you mentioned that because it just my in my head, I'm just churning in a different direction. I'm just thinking about that offense because I love any offense that utilizes receivers in that way and those types of routes. And that offensive coordinator, Phil Longo of North Carolina, is come is now the offense coordinator of the Wisconsin Badgers. So I'm just thinking of the new offense. Dude, I've been in a I've been in a crazy offense for my whole life at Wisconsin. We've been a run, run pass almost exclusively. I mean to a T. We are the first down you run, second down you run. Third down, if you really have to pass, you pass. But if it's third and four or shorter, you're running again. <laughs> this is the type of offense I lived in. So now I'm finally going to get to see an offense where you have like whip routes in the middle of the field and different things to create separation on quick hitters. So I'm excited to see it. And I'm excited to watch Josh Downs too, because then I'll get to see a little bit more Phil Longo. But let's take a look at another mock draft. This one's from Pete Prisco, uh, CBS Sports, colleague of mine. And Pete Prisco has the Giants with their first round pick selecting John Michael Schmitz, the center out of Minnesota, he says they have a need at center and Schmitz is considered the best of a good class. They could go corner here, maybe Emmanuel Forbes or Cam Smith, both of who were on the board at the time, but they opt. So I guess Deontay Banks is not, and it looks like he's not, but they opt to help out Daniel Jones instead and the offensive line. This is also interesting. I like how with the CBS sports mocks and no, I'm not just saying this because I work for the company. They do a prospect rank and the, and the position rank for each player. So Despite them mocking Schmitz here and them saying that he's considered the best in the class, the CBS Sports and, the, and I believe the people who go into the ranking are Ryan Wilson, Christian Passo, Pete Prisca, and a few others. They have him ranked 51st overall as a prospect, Schmitz, in this class, and the third best center. So I thought that was interesting, too. But they have John Michael Schmitz here. It's a one-round mock from Pete. That is interesting. I'm wondering why they had the Giants going John Michael Schmitz if he is their third center. Because to me, I, he's my number one center. But I look at Joe Tipman and I'm like, I can see why Bobby Johnson and Brian Dable may prefer the upside of Joe Tipman with his just overall athletic ability, body control, and how he really kicks out in the space to a player like John Michael Schmitz, who can do that, but I don't feel like he can do it to the level that Joe Tipman can offer. And like I said, Dan and I, we have a podcast coming out shortly on this extensively. We recorded it earlier in the week. But that's kind of where I'm at in terms of the the ceiling floor argument in relation to the New York Giants when it comes to Joe Tittman, because he, man, he can kick out in the space. So he was the best power gap guard or interior offensive lineman that I think I've seen so far. And I know he only played like 10 snaps, I think, at guard in his freshman season. You can correct me if I'm wrong. He's been a center the last two years. Yep. But I think there could be a possibility that he could at least move to guard. He's only 22 years old, whereas John Michael Schmitz is 24, and he's a player who is going to more than likely just operate at center. Right. And that's, that's kind of the discussion point there the entire time. And I think for what answer your first question on why that was the case, I think the way that they do it here is they try to predict what will happen, not what they would do in that spot. Gotcha. All right. Yeah, so it's one of those mocks. And I think a lot of the mocks you'll see are, are like that. Jer I know Jeremiah's are like that too. So it's kind of more of what they're hearing and what they're expecting the, the pick to be. Um, so now we have Ryan Wilson's three round mock draft. Because Ryan Wilson, who also works for CBS Sports, has a couple three rounders. This one was interesting. With the first pick, he has the Giants taking Deontay Banks, the corner out of Maryland. Well, I know you love Nick 
and we would love for him to fall to 25. I know you also think it's probably not likely that he does, which is sad to hear. And then he has Steve Avila, the, and I don't know if I'm saying that right, but the TCU interior offensive lineman with their second round pick. And then Keaton Mitchell at running back with their third round pick. So I loved how this thing started, Nick, with Deontay Banks. <laughs> I didn't really love how it continued. I really wouldn't love Steve Avila there at 57. And I definitely would not like Keenan Mitchell there at three, but in the third round, look, I like, I see the appeal to Keenan Mitchell, but he is so, and he's got that game changing speed, but he is so undersized. And there are so many running backs who I like more than him, who are going to be selected 50, a hundred, 150 picks after this spot with Keenan Mitchell. So I would be so pretty sad. The Keenan Mitchell one in round three would be probably the worst one for me. I wouldn't hate Steve Avia, Avila, whatever it is right now, Dan, at 57, I wouldn't because that's somebody who has played all across the TCU line. He was the best offensive lineman out there for TCU. I think when I did his evaluation, he wasn't as mobile as some of these other interior offensive linemen that we are discussing, but I ended up liking his film. I did that like maybe three months ago. It should be over there at Giants Country if anybody wants to check it out, but he seemed like a pretty squared away type of prospect. I don't think the Giants would be able to get him in the third round. That's why I'm like, okay, second round, if, if they really believe in his skill set, let's solidify that interior offensive line and see if he can actually play center, which he has at the college level, even though he was a guard last year. And then I'm right there with Keaton Mitchell. I mean, Keaton Mitchell, just incredibly exciting running back at a small school, was running all over the place for ECU against like Old Dominion and teams like Memphis. Memphis and, and, and plays like that. I mean, I think he tracked 21.8 miles per hour, which is pretty damn fast. Oh, yeah. But you're right. Undersized type of player in the third round. There's probably a, at least a slew of other running backs that I've seen that I would entertain in the third round. Keaton Mitchell, it's just a little bit too rich for me. Yeah, I love adding speed, but there's so many different ways you can do that in this draft that are going to be, you know, later or in some ways, maybe you have to take some of them earlier. Like A-Chain is a player I really like. And I think he could add an element of speed to any offense. And immediately that pony package the Giants had. Like, this is the thing with running backs, why I'm so excited about hopefully drafting one this year. Yeah, they have Saquon Barkley, but you're looking about ways to improve the offense and add explosion to the skill positions and add different types of playmakers. And in this class, a lot of those guys are at the running back position. Like some of these guys, A-Chain, Mitchell's another one of them, which just he brings a different level of speed to the, to the offense. But like you said, there's just so many good running backs in this class. Like you're going to tell me you're going to take Keaton Mitchell in round three, but then Roshan Johnson is just going to be hanging on the board for another 50 picks. Like he likely will be like, that's just going to piss me off during the draft. If they use that third round premium capital at running back. And it's not even the guy I think is the best player to take at the time. And there's going to be like more than just Roshan Johnson. I think at the time, like my guess is Kendry, like Miller, who we love is probably not going to, is probably not going to go before that third round pick either, just based on his profile and what I've heard the buzz with those types of players. So I don't know. I'm, I, I would be pretty disappointed in that last one, but Avia is definitely an interesting one. I haven't watched much, but love the idea of investing in the tier off the line. 57 is fine for me at that point. Then you're not really using premium capital anymore. Yeah. Taji Spears from Tulane is another player. He might be gone by that third round pick. And then Israel. The pit running back, Israel Abataconda. Yeah. He's he's another one that is very explosive, very quick, home run hitting type of back, much better version from what I've seen of a Keaton Mitchell. And I think he should be available around that third round selection. Yeah, good point. And you can even throw another track athlete in there, but even though he's a much bigger guy, he packs a much bigger punch. But Sean Tucker out of Syracuse is another guy who ran track for them. Like he has track level speed there. And it was like two seven. He might be in the two twenties too, or close to two twenties. He's a really interesting prospect. A lot of people really like him. I think his game is interesting because he's really more of that, like get the ball and 
get vertical and just go straight forward into 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 people. I don't think he has much wiggle to his game, which depends if you care about that or not. I guess fits certain types of offenses, certain certain types of offenses might not. But if you're looking for just that speed and that level of explosion, he also offers it. And he honestly, with his injury profile, he might be available too in that spot. He might be. He might be. Yeah. All right. Let's look at another mock draft here. Um, where the Giants, uh, this one is also, we'll pass this Ryan Wilson one. He had another one that came out. He's doing like insane amounts of mock drafts. <laughs> CBS Sports. Like he had the three round mock and like a day later, he had another one round mock. And this one, he goes with John Michael Schmitz again. Um, so we'll pass that one. We'll go to Z- Lance Zerline's newest mock where he has the Giants selecting safety out of Alabama, Brian Branch. He says, and I love in his, in his write-up, he pulls some Joe Shane out of his, out of his, out of his write-up. He goes, the smart, tough and consistent. He didn't say dependable, but dependable and consistent are very similar words. And I think can be interchangeable at times. The smart, tough and consistent branch can play nickel or step right into the safety spot that opened up with the free agency departure of Julian Love. So that's what Lang Zerline has. He has the Giants taking Brian branch, the safety out of Bama. I was watching Jonathan Mingo recently, and it was a three by one set. Jonathan Mingo was aligned in the slot. I love how Lane Kiffin aligned that guy really anywhere. And Brian branch was covering him. And Brian Branch carried him vertically, just sank underneath him, swiveled his hips, got right underneath Mingo, and then knocked the pass away, which was in the end zone. It would have been a touchdown if it was completed. And it was in high leverage situation as well. And I'm excited to get into Alabama's defense. I've been holding back a little bit, waiting to uh, go over Brian Branch and just Alabama's defense in general. They have a couple guys coming into the draft. But I, I, the idea of this, man, it, it's one of those safeties. It's the only safety that I would entertain in the first round because he's not just a safety. He can be that solid Darnay Holmes replacement. And by solid, yeah. I mean, step in and be a better player than Darnay Holmes right off the jump. And then now you have everybody likes to use 11 personnel your nickel sub package, which we know is really important for Wink Martindale with a player like Brian branch who can fit the run, who will be good against these RPO teams, these own read teams. And he's a good coverage player. He's not the best athlete in the world. He didn't test like that, but it's all up here. It's all in his brain. The mental processing is there. The anticipation is there. He has never fooled and he knows where to be. Having him and Xavier McKinney operating in the same secondary would really assist Wink Martindale with whatever he wants to do in terms of diversifying his coverage and whatever he wants to do in terms of having certain personnel packages on the field. So I would definitely like this, the idea of this at 25. Yeah, I've been warming up myself to this Brian Branch at 25 type of thing for the Giants. Typically, I'm a little more risk adverse when it comes to going safety in round one. I've been burned by it a lot of times, not just with the Giants, but watching other players who I've ranked high going into the draft and be like, oh, I love this player. I love this guy. And he's a safety. And then you don't really see it as much translate into into a value pick. But when you talk about some of the aspects of his profile right like what he has up here playing that Nick Saban defense now you add that to the Giants defense and then you factor in how many safeties the Giants like to use and just how important the safety position is in my opinion to this Wink Martindale system which may not be the case for every defense system but I I do think it is for the most part you kind of then start to want to throw out some of those positional value thoughts on safety and just what he can be and what his ceiling might be Brian Benson you want to think about like what his immediate floor could be for the Giants like he could step in and be potentially the most impactful player they're going to get at 25 just for 2023 you know what i mean by that like just thinking of the 2023 season alone he could be in a very small group of guys who can immediately help the giants yeah absolutely and that's, that's the excitement bringing in a player like that right and then you put like you said two two saving guys in the secondary at safety is pretty cool to think about right you know they're well coached you know they're heady you know they're going to be in the right place at the right time like you said he's very very rarely fooled so i'm intrigued by that one then we have daniel jeremiah 
who's my favorite draft analyst by far of the mainstream. I think he's the best by far, both in his analysis and how clued in he is. That's where people don't realize with Jeremiah. He has a lot of sources in the league. So when he hears things and when he says things are happening, it means that he's there. A lot of the times his mocks are based on what people are telling him these teams are interested in. And he has a wild card pick for the Giants here at 25th overall, Nick. And this is his latest mock. This is 3.0. This one's going to be surprising to a lot of people. Here's the Giants taking Joe Tipman, the Wisconsin center, at 25 overall with Quinton Johnson on the board, the TCU wide receiver, which, by the way, he's the only one who mocks Johnson to last this long, which tells me maybe NFL teams are not as high in him as the mocks are. Michael Mayer on the board, the tight end, uh, and in their game we talked about. And then Will McDonald, the player, an edge, who you know is, is somewhat intriguing in a lot of ways. So what do you think of this one? Yeah, I mean, we brought up that. I didn't even see this in the doc. We yeah. brought up John Michael Schmitz and how Tittman might be a better fit for what the Giants are doing. I think Daniel Jeremiah might be onto something. Now, I don't believe Joe Shane is going to spend that 25th pick on center. Would I be shocked if it happened? No, I wouldn't be shocked, but I do think he's going to go into, into another direction, possibly wide receiver, cornerback, what have you. But Tittman, I feel like you know you refine some of those issues that he has with his game. You're talking about one of the better move centers in the NFL. I think the sky's the limit with a player like that. So I, I understand it from that from that sense. Yeah, and if all those numbers that were reported from Bruce Feldman, like on his freaks list, are true, like that insane ten yard split, which shows off his quickness, and insane um, the, the 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 change of direction stuff, and then also squatting six hundred thirty five pounds, like you're talking about a guy who also has a chance to be like really powerful at the point of attack, yeah, and and, and add that to his game too. Like again, for me, projection is a huge part of this, and I just think I would much rather gamble on a high upside athlete who's stronger and bigger and could potentially be really good against NFL competition than somebody who's better right now. Um, Cause John Michael Smith is definitely the better center right now. But like you said, you're taking a gamble there. You have to hope that he can develop and then you have to trust your coaching staff to develop that player. Okay. We move on to the last one we're going to go over today, which is Chad Reuter, who also works for NFL.com. He always does like the multi-round mock. So that's why I like to go to him, Nick. He did a four round mock. I don't know why he stops at four instead of three. I would think it would be like day one, day two, but then he gives you one little taste of day three with one pick from day three. And he goes first round mock first round. He has the Giants taking Trenton Simpson with Dalton Kincaid on the board, Brian branch on the board, Cam Smith and miles Murphy, Trenton Simpson, a player who we've discussed already. Look, I know you and I aren't the hugest fans of this idea, but I will say this just from a pure, like fit stylistic standpoint what he could be he does seem like a nice fit for what wink Marndell wants to do yeah but so does cam smith yes and so does some of these other yeah. players that were available and i don't know if drew sanders was available but so does drew sanders yes. so like i don't want to make it like i like i hate trenton simpson because i don't i just think i'm going to like a lot more players who are available at 25 but i'll say this i said this before like everybody raves about this kid's character all right mm-hmm. we talked about how he was raised in a military household he has a work ethic that everyone raves about, and you can see the upside because he is a freak athlete. He looks the part. It's just I don't feel like he is necessarily good at any one thing other than being a really good athlete right now. And if we're talking about the 25th pick on a Giants roster that has holes all throughout it, I get a little bit, I get a little bit upset when we're when we're discussing that after the Giants added Bobby Okereke. But the Giants still need linebacker help, and I know that he will be a perfect. Uh, developmental piece we're talking about pick 25 here but a perfect developmental piece for a giants defense that uses as many sub packages as they do and that's why it makes sense from that standpoint he can come forward he can cover has all that athletic ability it's just he's still 
raw because he has not played in the box all that much. He was aligning with Brett Venables all over that formation. And he did last year too, but last year it was a little bit more snaps in the box. And you could see that there were definitely deficiencies whenever he was playing within the box. Yeah. I think you broke it down pretty well there, Nick. It's like, do you really want the giants using the 25th pick overall pick on probably the biggest project they could draft in this spot, right? Like if you're talking about any other pick that we've discussed already in these mocks or any of the picks we've discussed on previous pods who are in the mix for 25 overall, the giants, this is your biggest project by far. He's like the, he's the anti John Michael Schmitz, right? You're just swinging <laughs> for the, the fences here. I don't want to knock on John Michael Schmitz. He has a lot of upside too. I just, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't see, I don't see it as much as others do, but you know, this is a guy you're swinging for the fences on. You're just saying, wink, take this dude, mold him. He's your ball of clay figure it out and if you get the most of him he's got a great character he seems like he wants to learn he's willing to learn he will learn that doesn't always mean they do learn though right they, anyone could have the idea that they want to become a better player but it's all about like you practice it you put it into work you put it into practice i should say and then sometimes it develops sometimes it doesn't drew sanders would be the other project it's just you can align him at edge and he has that experience playing edge and he does it at a very high level it's just he is a linebacker buckus award finalist but Again, you turn on his tape and that linebacker, it's his athletic ability that really pops to you. And he has a ton of it and he's long and he looks good out there in his pads, but he's raw in terms of a tackling in the box because he had like 22 missed tackles. It was like a 19% missed tackle rate, Drew Sanders, that is. Yep. And just reading and positioning himself well and keeping his chest clean and things like that, similar to Trenton Simpson. Yeah, 22 missed tackles. But like you said, at least with... um a player like um, Drew Sanders, you know, immediately you probably have some sub package, somebody can help you on sub packages on passing downs. You can play edge for you. Right. You can play oh, edge yeah. For you. yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's big, especially considering, look, Aziz Ojolari's injury history is bad. We've already discussed in the past that we're not just looking for off ball linebackers on this team. We're, Nick and I are very interested in edge and edge is a much bigger need than people realize they are talking about for the Giants right now. So you kind of, in some ways you're not going like two, you know, it's a two, you kill two, a bird with two, what is it? You kill two birds with one stone type of thing. Yeah. Uh, Cause you get some, some of the pass rushing play out of Sanders too, but we'll move on to their 57th overall pick in this four round mock. And, to answer your question before, Nick, Drew Sanders was still on the board at 57 overall. Giants mm. didn't pick him, though. Now, you know who else was on the board? Emmanuel Forbes, who went the first round in Todd McShay's mock draft. Tariq Stevenson, who some people like, the corner in Miami. And Jack Campbell on the board at 57 overall. Giants took none of these players in Chad Reuter's mock. Instead, they took Joe Tippman, center out of Wisconsin. I feel much better with Joe Tippman being selected here rather than at pick 25 yeah. where Daniel Jeremiah had him. And I completely understand that. So you're talking though. And I think Joe Shane buys into positional value. I don't think it's a set thing where it's like, there's no way I'll ever take a center or a linebacker yeah. over the first round. Pick. I don't think it's like that, but now we're talking about the first and second round picks being a linebacker and a center. True. But the interesting part, the giants roster and the full fascinating thing that Joe Shane has in front of him right now, is if you look at the depth chart, Dan, you can make the argument. You can make the argument. I don't necessarily believe it, but you can make the argument that center and linebacker are the biggest needs on this team. Yeah, I mean, I think on paper they are probably. Uh, linebacker less so out of, after Okereke probably, right? But center, I mean, is the true biggest need is center because they don't really have that Ben Bredesen is their, is their option there. But they, that's true. But at the same time, what's who's their cornerback to right now? Amani O or Cordell Flott? Like, to me, that's in a similar type of boat there. Like, Ben Bredesen at center starting versus Cordell That's Flott. why I said I don't subscribe yeah. to it, but there right. is a discussion to be had about it. Yeah. And that might right. be how Chad Reuter is is constructing this mock. It feels draft. like he is constructing this mock base just on the needs. Um, 
which I don't love because I don't think it's that accurate in that sense. But hey, I wouldn't mind this start, Trenton Simpson and, and Joe Tittman. It's interesting. I wouldn't love it, but just getting Tittman at 57 to me is very intriguing. And if I can get Tittman, I'm happy. Pick 89 is a player who will not be a Dan Schneier guy. I'm letting you know right now, Nick. This is not a pick I would like. I said earlier that I really dislike Keaton Mitchell in the third round. This pick would probably be even worse for me at pick number 89 overall. And I, I'll be honest, I haven't watched his film yet, but I've seen him a good amount live watching the Big Ten a bunch. I've seen highlights too. And I don't like, and the key thing for me is I don't like how his profile could translate to the NFL level. And that's Jaden Reed, the wide receiver out of Michigan State. Let me just give you some of the numbers here. It would be another Wandell Robinson-esque pick in a size standpoint. Five foot 10, 187. Just a 445 40-yard dash at 187 is scary bad to me. I mean, it's not the worst time ever, but if you're 187, 510, you gotta have something to your game. Maybe if it's raw speed. Then we're looking at a 26 percentile uh, vert jump. Horrible short shuttle, 34th percentile, small hands, 30th percentile, arm length, 14th percentile. So you're talking a, a small, undersized, small hands, small, uh, short arms, not explosive. I mean, just from an athletic standpoint, this is not the dude. Obviously, the tape could say a whole different story on him. But in a class where I have a lot of intriguing wide receivers that I like that I think could be available at 89 overall, this one would definitely disappoint me. In the third round, I'm probably going to like other wide receivers. I feel like he tested, or at least he looked better on tape mm -hmm. uh, athletically than he tested. I don't have uh, anything to really back that up. It's just kind of an eye test thing. I, I went back and I watched some of his 2021 film. I think against Maryland, he had like two touchdowns in that game. And he looked pretty good. The one touchdown was like a slot fade. And I was like, oh, crap, man. He really turned on the Jets, accelerated past two players. I think the cornerback was midpointing, so he had a little bit of an edge on that player. But he still was able to blow past him and then made a nice catch for the touchdown. So I don't think I would love it at this point of the draft. But he's a player that I think would add an explosive element. I, he, What was his – I'm trying to find his A dot and everything. I know last year Michigan State sucked kind of. But yeah. I feel like – the film I saw in 2021 was was a little bit better, and I know a lot of people are talking about him down at the Senior Bowl. How do I spell his name? It is J D. Yeah, yeah. yeah, J A Y D E E N, and he definitely had a pretty interesting Senior Bowl. That's where he caught some steam, and so he's definitely someone who competed well against the best of the best. You would say in college football, at least the best of the best who go to the Senior Bowl, which is not the all the best prospects, but some of the better prospects at the corner position. Um, but yeah, I'm just. Again, I have to watch more film on a player like yeah. this. Just be a Go to 2021 player. because yeah. he, he had a 17.4 yards per reception in 2021. Last year it was like 11.6. Because I wasn't too enthusiastic about him when I started hearing him being buzzered on the senior bowl because I watched his 2022 tape. But then I went and I watched the Maryland game. And I watched, uh, I can't remember the other game that I watched, but I watched another game from 2021 and it substantiated the stats that I saw on pro football focus in terms of his vertical ability. I just think last year, the Michigan state offense just was kind of gross. Yeah. I held it back a little bit. Yeah. And some people just don't test well uh, and they, and they're definitely more athletic on film. I just worry about these types of athletes translating when they don't get to face big 10 corners and safeties every week. Just always something that will concern me. Was, always might have been the Wisconsin game I saw in 2021. Might have been. Or was that 2022? Not sure. No, it was 20, it was 2022, Wisconsin. Never mind. Yeah, Wisconsin's defense was terrible in 2022 for some reason out of nowhere. Um, they did lose a lot of the guys to the draft the year before. So that's their mm -hmm. third round pick, Jaden Reed. And then finally, in the fourth round, 
A player who I think is very intriguing, even though he also had another hard. This is we're back to back bad combine type guys, but I've seen a lot of people buzz about his tape. I've seen some cut ups of him, and he's kind of an interesting player. Jair Brown, the safety out of Penn State, at 128 overall. Have you seen any of Brown yet? I want to say I was watching Penn State's defense while while watching somebody else, and then I saw that Jair Brown was out there, and I know that the Giants had him in. I think not; they didn't have him in on the top 30, but they visited him at the combine. Mm. Or it might have been at the pro day. Either way, the Giants have been linked to Jair Brown. I don't have much on him. He was just out there running around number 16, I remember. I'm not comfortable enough to speak on his evaluation right now. Yeah, all good. That's their fourth round pick. All right, let's wrap up today's show by mocking the mocks. We have two mocks to go over here. And the first one is from our listener, Dills, who says, in the first round of my mock, Jackson, Smith, and Jigba, Draft falls to 25th overall as a slot only. People are scared. Giants take JSN at 25. 57, they take Thule, and I'm never going to pronounce half these names. Tuapiloto, the edge from USC. In the third round, Darius Rush, the corner out of South Carolina. In the fourth round, Ronnie Hickman, safety out of Ohio State. Fifth round, they take Makai Blackman, the corner out of USC. So that's three straight rounds of defensive backs, corner, safety, corner. In the fifth round, a player who I've seen a good amount of buzz for lately as people like him, Juice Scruggs, the center at a Penn State. In the sixth round, a player who I love at this value range, tight end Will Mallory out of Miami. And then linebacker Drake Thomas at NC State in round seven. Linebacker Aubrey Miller at a Jackson State in round seven. And then they're the last seven-round pick. They take DTR, the quarterback at a UCLA, Dorian uh, Thompson-Robinson, who if they're taking a developmental quarterback this year, Nick, I'll let you know right now this is the guy I want if they're taking a developmental quarterback. Oh, I'm right there with you. And the other mock draft that we're going to be going over also has DTR selected late. So I'm guessing this was done on PFN. I don't have any of these picks in front of me, but okay. was, was this one done on, on PFN? Do I'm know? not sure because he just dropped in the iTunes just the mock. It didn't say which, which similar gotcha. to use, I don't think. Yeah, because uh, Darius Rush is also selected in the third round by Jack Maxwell, who will go over here in a little bit. That's a little bit rich for me. I, I love his uh, Darius Rush specifically. I love his athletic ability, his length, and, and everything that he offers from that standpoint. Before the senior bowl, I watched his tape and I thought he was like a day three guy. And now I see his name kind of getting hoisted up there. So I'm wondering if just PFN has them high in their rankings. And that's one of the reasons why we keep seeing him pop up in the third round. But at 89, I don't think it's, I guess, too unreasonable, but I'm not in love. I didn't, I wasn't in love with his tape. I like Cam Smith a lot better. And that's why Cam Smith is generating a lot of first round buzz. But I just like the emphasis being put on the secondary at safety and at cornerback. And who was the first and second round pick? JSN For, and Tuli Tuyo Pelotu. Yeah, yeah. Tua Pelotu is is interesting. He's going to be a little bit of a a edge rusher who he'll back up Aziz and in Kayvon Thibodeau, but you can use him in a variety of different roles. He he can't kick out in the coverage. He's a little bit more of a thickly built guy. Had a ton of sacks at USC. I, I ended up going through his film randomly a couple days ago, and he seemed just one of those like insatiable rushers who can pin his ears back can win high side not the bendiest of individuals though more of just like an active hands type of pass rusher so i think that's somebody who would definitely grow within wink martindale's system and somebody who martindale will find packages for and he can plug him in and he can kind of play i think a jihad ward type of role he's not as big as jihad ward but in terms of i can align out on the edge and on 
passing downs. I can kick inside, and then we can have Aziz, Kayvon, and then Tua Pelotu rushing the passer. And then JSN, I mean, I'm always going to support that, even though he's in it or even though he's a slot, just because JSN is a complete and absolute stud. And I think he's going to always be open at the NFL level. And it's going to really stress defensive coordinators to put their best man cover guy on him to just kind of stick with him because he's just so smart against zone coverage. Yeah. So before we get into my thoughts on this mock draft, Nick, I want to have some fun with this. So let's continue to do what I promised, which is, I know you hate to do this, but you're going to have to do it because it adds fun to the factor. adds the fun factor to the mix, I should say. And that's great. This draft, great. This mock. I'm going to go with a nice B. Yeah. Will Mallory, that's going to be like your Travis Beckham type of H back move tight end. I'm okay with this day three selection. I don't know anything about Blackman, so I'll just go right there. I like Ronnie Hickman, I feel like, in round day three. JSN, I'm fine with, but I think a good solid B is probably where I'm at here. What about you? I like that grade. I think I was in that same range. I'm going to go with a B plus, and it's jolted up this grade by how much value I think you get with JSN at 25th overall. I think that's one of the best picks you can make in this draft. I think for me, this is a weird draft class in the sense that I don't see that many blue chips at all across the entire draft. And to me, JSN is one of the only blue chips in this class. Like, uh, we can go over at some point. That might be a fun pod to do one point. Like who would we consider blue chips in this class? But yeah. even like a player like Devin Witherspoon, who I do like his tape, dude. And I love his feistiness. The dude's 180 something pounds. Like, I don't love that at all. Like in the past, when you talk about these elite corner prospects, the blue chips of a class, it's usually they have everything to their profile, right? Like, like a player like Christian Gonzalez has the everything profile, the, the length, the recovery speed, the insane athletic testing, the fit, like he's a much bigger player and he fits the exact profile. I don't even feel like Devin Witherson fits it. So I like, I'm struggling to find guaranteed blue chips in this class, but I think JSN is one of them. So to get one at 25th overall, that makes the whole draft for me in this mock. And I also like the value a lot with Will Mallory. Yeah. He's a move tight end and he's in that mold, but I think he's a pretty damn good version of that. And I've, Love the way he moves when I've watched him play. So I would love that pick. Juice Scruggs is another value pick I would like. Don't love what happened in rounds two through four here. It's not my favorite rounds two through four, but I do like the emphasis on defensive backs. I'm big on the Giants getting defensive backs. I like taking a swing in round seven on two linebackers who might be able to fit. And then DTR is, to me, a very fun last pick, you know, developmental-type quarterback. So I'd probably go B-plus on this one, and mostly because JSN just rocks this draft for me. And here is Jack Maxwell's mock draft using pfn's mock draft simulator at pick 25 he goes with zay flowers wide receiver boston college 57 drew sanders linebacker arkansas 89 darius rush cornerback south carolina 128 olusugan oluwatimi offensive center from michigan and that's not to be confused with the defensive center mm -hmm. will mallory at 160 tight end out of miami 172 roshan johnson running back out of texas 209, Keandre Coburn, defensive tackle out of Texas. I don't really know anything about him, to be honest. 240, DTR, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, quarterback UCLA. 243, Chamari Connor, cornerback of Virginia Tech. And then 254, PJ Mustafa, defensive tackle, Penn State. Yeah, Mustafa is a big name on this podcast after we we hopefully he never goes back and watches this, what we said about his brother uh, at the NFL uh, yeah. level. Dexter <laughs> yeah, Lawrence made a mess of the of the NFL version of Mustafer. 
Um, we almost turn that into like an adjective when you get mustaferred, which is just like getting absolutely embarrassed by an opposing player lining across from you on the defensive line. No offense, mustaferred. You tried your best. I think that's Sam, right? Sam's his brother. Um, yes. But this draft, Nick, I'm going to give, let me think of the grade I'm going to give here. It's very similar to the last draft. There's this draft also had Will Mallory. This draft also had Darius Rush. And this draft also had Dorian Thompson Robinson. So three of the same picks. What I like more about this draft before I get my grade is they found they drafted into the strength of this class at running back. I really don't want to go another draft without a running back, Nick, especially not in a class like this, dude. There's just so much value there to be had. And Roshan Johnson at 172 is one of those examples, dude. He is freaking awesome. I heard an insane stat on him yesterday that I don't remember, Nick, but and I'm going to look it up after this pod. I wish I remember. But the basis of the stat was the num- the percentage of his yards that he racked up in total, Nick, after contact. That was the stat, and I got to find it. But the number was alarming. I have never heard a percentage of someone's total rushing yard be that much of the percentage be yards after contact as it was Roshan Johnson. And it just goes to show what kind of running back he is, dude. He's the running back who can create after contact with a combination of of power and contact balance. I think that translates to the NFL level. When I look at running backs, the two things I look for that are most important to me are yards after contact and force missed tackles when it comes to just the advanced stat side of it. And he does a really good job on both sides. I love that pick. You know, as know, I love Zay Flowers. You know, I love Drew Sanders at, at 57. Those are knockout picks for me. Um, Will Mallory, we still get in this one. So yeah, this one's going to get the A minus grade for me. Yeah, I'm going to give this a nice solid A, to be okay. honest. Uh, love Zay Flowers and Drew Sanders. I think that's an excellent one-two combination. You're really focusing on creating explosive plays and also an edge rusher who can get out to the passer. Hopefully, high upside can develop into a full-time type of linebacker. Darius Rush already kind of gave you my spiel on Darius Rush, but that's a developmental cornerback who has traits. And then the Michigan center, from what I've heard, is a is a really athletic mover. I haven't done any kind of film on him, but getting him in the fourth round seems to be another upside swing to help improve your interior offensive line. You got that backup running back now, just in case Saquon Barkley does not come back in Roshan Johnson. And then DTR is a developmental guy. I think a solid A. And I also like, and I don't know anything about these two players, okay. Mustafer a little bit, but Mustafer and Coburn, just the fact that he is investing in the defensive line and bringing in defensive line bodies to improve the depth there because I'm imagining that Coburn and Mustafer probably are upgrades over the Henry Mondos of the world. I can't say that with any kind of certainty, but at least the Giants are pouring assets into what was their greatest liability last season. I'm going to give it a solid A. And we have high grades on this one, A and A minus. I think if you were looking for the devil's advocate argument as to why we maybe graded this too high, it's the lack of investment at the corner position, right? Darius Rush, a player who Nick described, you know, described as in somewhat ways a bit of a gamble from a developmental standpoint. Maybe the film doesn't really catch up to the athletic testing. And then the next, the only other corner he took in this class was at pick 243 overall. So you really are skipping a lot at corner here and relying on the guys that are already on the roster. Yeah, I'm right there with you. That's one reason why it's a little bit precarious is if you don't nail Darius Rush, you're looking at Cordell Flott, who we hope is good. And then Amani O'Rourke outside. And, uh, maybe Aaron know. Robinson, if he can recover from the injury, which maybe again, Aaron Robinson. Yeah. Yep. All right. That's what we have today on Mocking the Mocks. We had two of your mock drafts in today. Please keep sending more mock drafts. Put them in the iTunes review. Put a rating, five star, and then put your mock draft in. We'll discuss on the podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to Big Blue Banter Podcast. We'll talk to you soon.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.